I'm going to talk about hearing God. And um, in a way, I feel like it's, it's almost like a secret series, a, mini, a little secret mini-series, because not, not that I'm going to be talking for like three hours. Not, this isn't a secret series. But, you know, um, Joe, who I think has gone out to be with, with the young, young people, Joe spoke um, a little while back, maybe January or so, on Psalm 119, about loving the Word of God, didn't he? And, um, and then um, a few weeks ago, Simon Clay spoke on, um, the, 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 on Colossians 3, about the, the, Word of God, uh, the Word of God dwelling in us richly. And Joe pointed out to us that, um, you know, in terms of loving the Word, that all of the Bible is about Jesus. I just thought that was such a brilliant point that he made. All of the Bible points to Jesus. And then, and Simon again came and, and, and showed us that actually the Spirit and the Word, you know, people often talk about the Spirit and the Word, that those, those aren't two polar opposites and that we have to decide, are we more Spirit or are we more Word? How can we sometimes, how can we somehow kind of bridge the gap and get a foot on both? And that, but actually that the Spirit and the Word, that's one. And he, and he showed us that from the Bible and, you know, if you haven't heard that talk, go back and listen to that talk. And, you know, last week as well, um, Martin White was here. Who was here last week? Um, speaking on being a multicultural church. Steve was here twice. He's got two hands in the air. Um, speaking on being a multicultural church. But before he started preaching, he said something really encouraging. He said, Jubilee, you're known to be as being a prophetic church. That's your reputation. And even that week, you know, we had Rob and the team in South Africa at a prophetic conference, and other people had been to a prophetic conference in Bedford as well. So, you know, he's saying you're known to be a prophetic church. There were lots of prophetic words in the, in the meeting. And um, that was just really exciting. So look, we're a, we're a church that, that's known for hearing God. So it feels like God's kind of reinforcing something, re-emphasising something, that actually he wants us to be a church that loves the Bible, uh, he wants us to be a church that's not just fu- that's full of the Spirit, but that means being full of the Spirit means being a people of the Spirit and a people of the Word, and that we're that He's encouraging us that we are a church with a a, 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 a prophetic gift. That's something that marks us out as a church. So I feel like my my talk kind of car- is carrying on in that vein, if you like. When I heard Simon was talking about uh, the Word of God, I got worried because I thought, oh, pants, he's gonna gonna talk about what I'm talking on, and I'll have to write a new I'll have to write a new um, sermon. Are you not allowed to say pants? Sorry, Bernice. <laughs> I meant it in the American sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, so I was worried that, you know, someone's gonna, he's gonna talk on what I was gonna talk about, and, you know, but he didn't. It almost felt, felt like he started something, talking about the spirit and the word and that unity, and, and I, and I want to talk about, um, hearing God and then what that actually means. It's almost like an application of it, if you like. And I want to talk from um, a passage in Matthew 4, verse 4. If you want to turn now. Matthew, Matthew 4, verse 1. I want to talk um, something, that, something that Jesus said to the devil. So when Jesus was being tempted, uh, in, he went out into the desert to be tempted uh, by the devil. He, fa- he had fasted for 40 days, so he was really hungry. Um, he was probably quite tired. Anyone here get tired and irritable when they're really hungry? Yes, me too. Some, we've got some honest ones. Yes, so Jesus was tired, he was probably hungry, probably wasn't feeling great, and the devil um, turned up uh, to tempt him and said, well, if you're God, 
You can make food out of everything, anything. If you're God, prove that you're God, make food out of these stones. And Jesus' response is really interesting. He says, says, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus is saying, Do you know what? Bread, food, that's not enough. It's not just about food. Actually, the word of God is essential for life. The word of God is essential for life. Man cannot live, man being, you know, in the sense of everyone, people. People cannot live. It's not just talking about men and not women. People cannot live um, with, unless they hear God speaking. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't live on bread alone. You have to have, you have to hear God speaking. Hearing God speaking is essential. And that's, my, that's the sum total of my sermon. So if you remember nothing else, that's, that's the point. You can't live on just food. Material things alone are not enough. We have to have the word of God. We have to hear God speak. That's essential for life. But um, I won't stop there. I will carry on. But, um, and w- I mean, what do I mean by hearing God? So as Joe shared with us, hearing God from the Bible, loving the word of God, hearing God speak to us from the Bible, um, many of us would say we, we get a direct sense of God speaking to us, don't we? We hear God speak to us. Um, sometimes that's in pictures. I know God often speaks to me in kind of picture language. Others of us will, um, will experience God, hear God through nature. The Bible says that, that the heavens preach, that nature speaks of God's glory and that God can speak to you through nature. And Becky Webb is smiling because she's got a story about that. Ask her. Um, God speaks to us for other people, doesn't he? Sometimes God shares a word that's kind of really significant and says, I believe God's saying this, or um, shares a scripture. Sometimes God speaks to us, for, not just for, for other people who are Christians, but other people who aren't Christians. I don't know if you've had that experience, where someone who doesn't follow Jesus, doesn't know God, comes and, and shares something with you, but it, it's almost like God speaking to you. When I um, left work back in October, a few people in the church said to me, because I, I left work to go, to go self-employed, and a few people said to me, just got to hold your nerve, as I was getting a bit, oh, why am I doing this? Hold your nerve. And there were a number of people outside of church, uh, you know, people who weren't, weren't following God, didn't, didn't know Jesus, who said the same thing to me. It was almost like a, a, a kind of phrase that kept coming back. You just have to hold your nerve, quite a specific phrase. And I knew God was speaking to me through these people, these non-Christians. So um, sometimes God speaks through our emotions or our sensations. So um, often, sometimes people get a pain and they feel like God's saying there's someone here with pain in this area or a problem in this area. And some of us have even had um, audible voices or visions. I've had a couple of, of kind of visions in terms of God speaking, but it's almost like a video that you're in. Um, and that's quite, and I, you know, I, had, I haven't had one of those for years, but I've experienced that before. So, that to, so, so that's God speaking. So the question is, Jesus says, hearing God is essential. Does that mean that every Christian can hear God? Every Christian can hear God speaking. Is that is that, is that does that what it means? Is that what it means? Well, short answer: yes. Long answer: Hebrews one, verse one. It says, "In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, um, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He also made the universe." So there's a, there's a time of, the, of prophets, and now there's a time of the sun. There's like two distinct eras. In the past, God spoke through prophets, through, through, peop, through people. Um, like, uh, but now, in this era, he, speak, he speaks to us through his son in these last days. In other words, in the days since Jesus um, was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven. And if we look at the Old Testament model, so Rob spoke about this 
a bit in, in, his, in his talk on anointing. So go back and listen to that one if you, if you, don't, if you don't remember that. But the, it, there's an Old Testament model. There's the old model where, you know, God would speak to one person. The Holy Spirit would come to one person. And then, you know, if you wanted to know what God was going to say, you had to find that one person. You know, the kings would say, where's Elisha? We need to find out what God thinks about this. Let's find Elisha. You know, it was, it was all on kind of one person's shoulders to speak for God or to do his work. And that's why, you know, when God spoke to Gideon, Gideon didn't believe God. You know, we, we're a bit harsh on Gideon, say, well, why didn't you believe God? Why did you have to put the fleece out? But actually, the reason Gideon found it quite a shock was, one, he wasn't anyone important. He was from a small tribe. He, he, he didn't feel important. But two, it's like winning the Euro Millions lottery. For God to say, I'm speaking to you, that didn't happen to ordinary people. It happened to very special people. And so Gideon, he didn't believe it. You know, he needed proof. God, are you really speaking to me? Is this really you? And even when Jesus... Um, came and he, and, he, and he preached in his hometown and the people, did, they, they, they liked what he said but they didn't like the fact that it was Jesus because they said, we know him, he's the carpenter's son we know this guy, we know, we know Mary, his mum we know his brothers and his sisters we, we're not happy with this well, they were offended because they knew who Jesus was Jesus wasn't special, he was just somebody in their village you know, they wanted someone special to come and to speak the word of God because that's what they expected and we see it with Moses and Aaron as well, don't we, in, in the Old Testament. So Moses and Aaron would go into the presence of God. They would go into the, te- the, the tent of meeting to meet with God. And everyone else would wait at the front, at, at, basically on their front doors. In their, they, they were living in tents, but they were on their front, on their front doorsteps waiting. What's God going to say to us? What's God going to say to us? And um, they would come out and, and, and tell them, you know, God, God says this. So, and we see that with Moses and the elders, that actually Moses came out and he was with the elders of Israel and the elders and everyone was prof- were prophesying in Numbers 11. But there were two of the elders that, hadn't gone, that weren't with Moses. They'd stayed in the camp. They hadn't gone, gone with Moses to, to church, basically. They, they'd said, well, we're not going to church today. We're going to stay home and watch the rugby. So I don't know, you know. I don't know what the score is now, but, um, you know, they say, well, we're not going to church, we're going to stay home, and imagine that if, if you know, if, if the elders of the church stayed home to watch the rugby, and then, because God is gracious and generous, he pours out his spirit on, on Moses and, and his tea, elder, eldership team, and they're all prophesying, and then these guys at home watching the rugby start prophesying as well, they're like, oh, the Holy Spirit's come on here, and they start prophesying as well, and, um, because God's generous, and, you know, he doesn't care, he doesn't care where you are, really, but, um, and Joshua, who, you know, who, who's the good guy, you know, he fit the battle, whatever that means, fit the battle of Jericho. Um, he, he, he was Moses' servant, said, oh, Moses, there's two people over there, they're not, they're not with us here, and they're prophesying over there. You've got to stop them, you've got to stop them. Because he didn't, he didn't want those people to prophesy, because they weren't over in the meeting, they weren't in, in the team. And, and Moses' reply is really interesting. Moses says this in Numbers 11, verse 29. Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. Isn't that amazing? Moses understood God's heart to release. Moses understood God's heart to, to, to pour out his spirit on everyone, to release everyone into, into prophetic gift, to speak to everyone, that everyone should be able to hear God. It was a kind of prophetic statement that, that Moses made. I want all of God's people to be prophets and I want God to put his spirit on everyone. And that's the promise we see in in Joel, in Joel 2. And God says, says to Israel, I'm go- after, afterwards, I'm going to pour my spirit out on everyone, on all people, on sons and daughters, old men, will dream dreams. Steve, yeah. 
And the young men, sorry. <laughs> that was cheeky. <laughs> and young men will see visions. Oh, I saw visions, yeah. Young men will see visions, Dylan. Yeah? Good. And, um, and through Jeremiah as well, where he said, um, no longer will they teach their neighbour saying, know the Lord. Or say, uh, uh, because they will all know me. That, that was the promise that Israel was carrying. Everyone's going to know God. Everyone's going to receive the Spirit. Everyone's going to hear God speaking. It's not going to be down to one person, um, you know, one special person. And that's what's fulfilled in Jesus. So when it says, in, the, in these last days, he's speaking to us through his son, it's fulfilled in Jesus. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, it's better that, I'm, that I go. I'm going back to the Father. The disciples said, oh, we don't like that idea. We want you to stay, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, no, it's better that I go. Because if I go, I can send you the Holy Spirit, which is that, 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 that outpouring of the Holy Spirit on everyone, so that everyone can hear him and everyone can do uh, the work of God's kingdom. So we have to ask ourselves, have we got that heart to honour? Have we got that heart to release people? I believe we have. I believe that's partly why people say, well, you're a prophetic church, that's the reputation you have. But we have to keep checking that, make sure we've got a heart to release people. Leaders, we we mustn't try and control things, we mustn't try and control people like Joshua, saying, oh, not not there, you can't do it. We have to to recognise the grace of God on on each other. We mustn't get offended by each other when, um, when, when we see God working through each other. Say, oh, you're not special enough. Um, I only want Rob to pray for me because Rob's the pastor. You know, we, we mustn't be offended, but we have to recognise the grace of God on each other. And that's not to say there aren't false prophets. The Bible does talk about false prophets, and we have to be wary of that. Um, a church I was involved in in Luton had a guy to speak, and he gave some incredibly accurate prophetic words over people, like, not, you know, knock your socks off, Really, really, really accurate prophetic words over people he um, just picked out of the congregation. Now, what happened was that the, the opposite of what he said, so he said, this little child, you're a dancer. And he was, that little boy was always dancing. You're, that boy stopped dancing. He, he, whatever his mum put on the telly, the boy, little boy stopped dancing. Um, there was someone else said, um, God's going to, you're, you know, you're involved, get involved with church, God's going to be right into the centre. And those people dropped away. And, and there was a load of other things. Basically, the opposite of what he prophesied happened. And, um, and then when they got to know this guy a bit better, they found out actually his life didn't really match up. He was adulterous. Um, he was um, a very aggressive and controlling. And, and, it, and you know, he was a false prophet. He was oper- operating under a false demonic spirit. And the elders had let him speak, had to go around to all of those people and apologise and say, we shouldn't have let him speak. We shouldn't have let him prophesy over you. We shouldn't have given him that authority in the church. And they had to um, apologise to all those people and pray for them. So we have to be aware you know, that, that the elders... Uh, that's our job, is to protect the church and not to allow those false prophet, prophets in. But actually, within the context of the church, within that safety provided by the eldership, actually there's room to prophesy over one another and to speak um, God's word to one another. And also, um, I'm, what I'm not advocating is the God told me excuse. You know, you, you hear that. I had a friend who stopped coming to church and said, well, why, you know, missed you. Oh, God told me not to come to church. Now, that's, the Bible says, don't give up coming to church. The, you know, Hebrews is clear. Don't, don't stop going, going to church. You, you know, it's not good for you to not be at church. It's good for you to come. And um, don't give up meeting with one another. And so, you know, you know the, God, the God told me, excuse, you know, you have to measure what we hear. We weigh what we hear, don't we, against Scripture. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is, hearing God is for everyone. 
So is, is hearing God for the special people? Yes. Because you're special. Yeah. Uh, you're special. No, so hearing God is for everyone. Hearing God is for everyone. Hearing God is for who? Everyone. everyone. Thank you. All of us. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, hearing God is for you. It is. Thank you. It's important. Imagine the impact of our, of our church. Imagine that. Imagine the impact of Jubilee, a prophetic army, a prophetic army going out uh, onto the streets and um, making an impact in every area, at school, at work, at the job centre, wherever you are in the day. Imagine that. And you might say, well, everyone, hearing God is for everyone, but not me. Um, you might say that. But then if you, look at, if you look at the Bible, look at Peter, who got up and spoke um, to the religious and political leaders. And um, they said, oh, this is really interesting. This guy's uneducated. He's got a funny country bumpkin accent. And yet he's been with Jesus. He's heard Jesus speak. And he speaks with authority. So you might, be, you might worry, oh, well, I'm, I'm not educated. Or, oh, you know, I don't like the way I speak. You know, I met a lot of Brummies. And I know, you're, I know a lot of you are Solihullians. But um, a lot of Brummies who don't like the way they speak. Because they're, oh... Because it's had, you know, it's had a bad press. Press, but God loves the way you speak. God calls you to be born here, and um, you know, whatever your accent, whatever your education, whatever your background, um, God can use you to amaze authorities, political powers, religious leaders. And then think of Ananias. You know, Ananias, the guy who prayed for Paul. That when Paul met with God on the Damascus Road and went blind. And God said to Ananias, I want you to go and pray for, he was called Saul then, who had been, you know, rounding up the church, putting them in prison, killing them, torturing them. And he said, I want you to go, and he said, you've got to be joking. I'm not going to go and pray for him. He'll kill me. Do you know who this guy is? And God said, yes, I do know who he is, actually. Um, <laughs> but you've still got to go. And he went, and um, he heard God. So who was Ananias? You don't hear about him again. He's, he's, he was, you know, he's no one. But God used him. God spoke to him. And there are many pools out there, many pools. All of us have pools. But God wants to say, I want you to go to this person. I want you to go and share my word with this person. I want you to go and pray for that person. And then I was just hearing recently about the, about the church in Antioch. Um, they reckon it was 100,000 people in the church in Antioch. And um, it was started by a group of, of Christians who were fleeing the persecution in, in Judea, they got to Antioch and they started telling the gospel to everyone and, and, and it, it doesn't actually say who they were, it just says a, a bunch of believers, a bunch of the believers went there, they're not even named and they were responsible for, for amazing um, breakout of God's kingdom so hearing God is for all of us so if hearing God is for everyone um, so hearing God is for everyone, but is it essential? So Jesus is saying, man does not live by bread alone. You know, food isn't enough. Food is essential for your body, but it's not enough. Hearing God is also essential for you. Um, and actually that quote, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is actually quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting the Bible. And he's quoting um, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. So if you've got a Bible, you can flick there quickly. Um, and Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, says this. This is God speaking to his people who have been in the desert. They're at the end of their 40 years living in the desert, basically one long camping holiday. It was like one, 
one long camping holiday. For some people, you think, oh, that sounds great. And others of you are going, oh, that's a nightmare. <laughs> one long camping holiday in the desert. At least there wasn't much rain, but... Um, it says this. Um, God, this, is what, this is God speaking to his people. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of, of the Lord. So he's saying, you were hungry in the desert. I brought you into the desert, and you were hungry. There was no, there's no, there's no food, there's no natural resources. Even if you, know, you had bare, bare grills skills, you, know, you wouldn't last very long. You know, there was a million people. You couldn't feed everyone in the desert. But I fed you with manna. And um, you know what the manna was? The manna was this bready stuff that God provided in the morning. It was all over the ground, and people would pick it up and collect it for that day. And it doesn't sound very hygienic, I know, but that was the way God decided to do it. So, um, you know, pick up this bread from the floor, and then um, the next day it would go mouldy. You couldn't eat it the next day, but the next day you'd wake up, there'd be more. There'd be more. And um, that was the manna, and, and that's how God sustained um, millions of people in the desert for 40 years. And God is saying, God isn't saying um, to them, oh, I gave you manna because there's some kind of Maslow's hierarchy of need, you know, that first of all you need to have your basic provision of food and shelter, and then once you've got that, I can, you know, you can, you can have society and then you can have love and whatever it is, you know, your, your Maslow's hierarchy of need. He you know, God's saying to them, I gave you manna because it was to demonstrate to you that you can't just live on food. Food isn't enough. That you have to have my word. You have to have me speaking. Um, that me speaking is essential. Uh, that, that it's, it's not, it's not, uh, for the spiritual people, I don't really need food. I just, I just need the word of God. It's no, you need both. You need food and you need God. And manna was that kind of, it was a kind of picture of daily provision. It was a, a picture of, of God's grace, daily grace. That, you know, in the morning there was more. The stuff from yesterday gone mouldy, but every day there was more. And there was enough. It says, the people that, that, that gathered up loads never had too much. And the people that only gathered up a little bit never had too little. There was, there was, there was ample provision for everyone. So we're seeing here a link between hearing God... So this is this is a, getting to the kind of crux of it now. There's a link between hearing God and living in his grace. There's a link between hearing God and living in his grace. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 tells us that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. Everything we need, everything we need has been given to us. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness, through these, through his goodness and his glory, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So everything is available to you. Everything you need is available. It's not... You know, I'm going to provide for you everything you need. You know, it's something of what you need, plus some of it's in your bank account. It's not, I'm going to give you something of what you need, plus some of it is in that relationship over there. It's not, I'm going to give you something of what you need, but some of it is on that website over there. Do you know what I mean? God has given us everything we need to empower us for life. And 
can I, can I do the Les Mis example again? I know I always use this. I work, I'm a secret, not very secret. Les Mis fan. And you know that scene in Les Mis, I know I've used this illustration before, I'm sorry, but that scene in, in Les Miserables where the, the Jean Valjean, the convict, he's homeless. The bishop, you know, says, you can come and stay in my house um, tonight because you've got nowhere to live. And in the middle of the night, he thinks, well, look at this guy. He's got all this silverware and he's, he's all right. And I've got nothing. And he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He says, I'm going to nick the lot. And um, he, uh, I'm going to nick the silverware. He takes the candles and he, and he runs off in the middle of the night and he gets caught by the police. And the police bring him back to the bishop, you know, all kind of, you know, for a pat on the back. and say, look, bishop, we've caught the guy who was sleeping in your house and he's got your candlesticks, you know, what do you think about that? And the bishop says, oh, did you left so quickly, you forgot to take the plates as well. Here you go. Do you know what I mean? And that picture of grace, that actually, the bishop didn't just show mercy by saying, actually, let him go, you know. He said, he, he, it was that picture of grace, I'm going to give you stuff. And actually, in, if you know the story of Les Miserables, that, that, that's what sets Jean Valjean up for the rest, of his, the rest of his life, for the rest of the story. It changes his life because he's now got the, the resources to make a change in his life um, and, and um, to, ch- to change his ways. It's that kind of empowerment. And that's what grace is. Grace is empowerment for us. It's everything we need for life. And they come to us, according to this verse in Peter, through his very great and precious promises. Promises, hearing God, are key to, 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 to that provision. Knowing what God says, knowing that what he says is true. So if you look at um, Genesis, you know, we're at the, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden. What was the first attack that the devil made on Adam and Eve? It was to say, did God really say that? Did God really say? That's the first attack you know, that the devil comes with. Did God really say, to try and undermine, you know, did God really say that? Did I, did I really hear God? Because he knows that hearing God, believing his promises are key to everything in terms of um, our lives. And his, second, and his second attack on Adam and Eve was like it, which was to say, basically, God's lied to you. You won't really die. God's lying to you. God's got, trying, to, trying to pull the wall over your eyes. Because the devil wants to starve us. He wants to starve us of God's word because he knows that will make us... Um, well, what does, what does having no food make, make us? It makes us weak. Um, it makes us... might make you irritable. But, you know, no food for a long period of time. You know, makes us weak, um, tired, unable to act, you know, inactive, ineffective, and ultimately kill, kills us. And I just, felt, I just felt to encourage us, really, that today is a day of fresh manner. Today is a day of fresh manner. Today is a day of grace. Do you need more grace? Yes. We should all, be able, we should all say yes. We all need more grace. We all do, constantly. We need that healthy diet. We need constantly. Um, we're on this journey of discovering more and more our dependency on God. You know, we need it. You know, in terms of in terms of living free from things, in terms of forgiving others, loving others. You know, church can be easy until you have to, you know, love someone else. Do you know what I mean? You know, that's what makes it hard. Other people make it hard, don't they? Praying. You know, there was um, Pauline shared a picture in the worship months ago, and she had a picture of um, someone, of, of us standing under a waterfall. You know that? And it was like God's presence, you know, cascading down. And actually, that is a that is a, a brilliant picture of God's grace, isn't it? 
that we stand there in God's grace. And above us is this kind of endless river of his love, of his favour, of his grace, kind of pouring over us. And then below us we look down and there's a big pool, plunge pool, big reservoir of his grace behind us. And we say, thank you God, I can see, you know, my life has been marked out with your love and with your faithfulness there. And, and, I'm, and, you're, and, and it's, we're in that place of constantly receiving his love and his grace, more of him. Um, that's what we need. The Bible says now, now is the time of his salvation. Now is the time of his favour. That's what it says in Romans 6, I think. 6, yeah. It's fresh manner, fresh grace, fresh power, fresh anointing of his Holy Spirit. And you might feel like I'm in a bit of a desert, a bit like Jesus. I'm in a desert, I've been fasting, I'm hungry. Actually, there's, there's food, and as Alison shared earlier in the worship, there's, there's rivers of living water for us, there's, there's streams of water for us um, here. So how does knowing God's promises, so, so if I'm saying that hearing God, is, hearing God is for everyone, and in fact it's not just for everyone, it's essential for everyone, and, the, and, you know, and in, fact, in, in, in terms of unlocking God's provision, unlocking God's grace in our lives, we have to be able to, we have to be able able to have access to his promises how do God's promises unlock everything we need for life and godliness and I believe the principle is set out for us in Ephesians um, 2 verse 8 and Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this for it it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so no one can boast For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're saved by grace, through faith. Not by our own works, so we can't boast, but we are saved, um, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So we're saved by grace. Again, that picture of his divine power providing everything we need. And the outcome, at the end, we're, we're saved to do good works. Yeah, that's not just kind of random acts of kindness or we're saved to do things, you know, maybe as an, as an extra we might help an old lady across the road or something. But actually, that's talking about the abundant life that Jesus promi- promised. I've come that you can have life and life in abundance. The abundant life, you know, that's the outcome. Living, living, living by, gra- by grace um, results in an abundant life. And how do we get it? We get it through faith. Through faith. Faith, knowing the truth, knowing the promises of God. And knowing that what God says is true. That's what Hebrews says. The assurance, faith is assurance about what we can't see. We know God speaks the truth. We know, even if we don't see it, we don't live by what we see. We live by faith. We live by what we know of God. We, we live by what he said. And faith, so, faith is essential, isn't it? In terms of releasing grace. Through faith, um, by grace, through faith. So if grace is a train, grace is the train in our lives, fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit, and faith is the, are the train tracks on, on which it runs. So you, there's grace there, but the, the way it comes into our life, the way it, 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 it comes through our life and into the lives of others is by faith. And faith is essential. And where do we get faith from? Faith, faith comes by... A gift of God. Faith comes by hearing. That's right. Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we've kind of come full circle. We're saying, 
We want to see, we want to have that abundant life. We want to see God's provision. We want to see God's grace in our life. We want to see that grace, that provision overflow from us into the lives of others around us, into the community around us, even to the nations, South Africa and other places. And that grace, the the way it travels to us and through us is on those train tracks of faith. And that faith comes from hearing God, hearing God speak, hearing his promises, understanding his promises, knowing that he's true, knowing that he's faithful, knowing that we can step out in obedience into those good works, um, uh, knowing that, you know, that, that, that we can trust him and step out in obedience. So faith is essential for carrying grace for our lives. So, and hearing God um, isn't a special trick then uh, for some of us. It's essential. It's life-giving and it's normal, normal for, for, for Christians. If we don't hear God, then we starve, become weak, and become inactive. But if we're hearing God, then we're nourished, we're strong, and able to live out our calling. Amen? Amen. Okay, so application. What does this look like in our life? Just got two quick points for you, in terms of what, you know, what, how this works out in our, in our day-to-day. The first one is that we have to know the truth. kind of comes back to what Simon and, and Joe were saying in their preachers. We have to know the truth. If we're going to know God's promises, if we're going to hear God, we have to know um, what he says. And that's, you know, Jesus says uh, to his disciples, if you remain um, in my word, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you remain in my word, so through prayer, talking to God is, is a good starter. Reading the Bible, cultivating awareness of God speaking in every situation, not waiting to get to church, say, is God speaking, but all around you, is God speaking? Um, you, know, it, you know, in the middle of, of nature, is God speaking to me through nature, for example? And that remaining in his word, doing the legwork, and then we will know the truth, we'll hear the truth, we'll understand the truth, and the truth will set us free to live abundantly. Simples. Simples. Pretty simple, huh? Can't do it. It's simple. Remain in his word. Know the truth. The truth will set you free. So that's the first point. Second point. We have to look to Christ. We have to look to Christ. 2 Corinthians 1 tells us that for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. And through him, the Amen is spoken to us, uh, to the glory of God. The Amen, the let it be, is spoken to us, um, spoken by us, to the glory of God. All of the promises that God has made are fulfilled in Christ. So, if you're anxious, if you're worried, we listen to Jesus. What did Jesus say? He said, don't be worried. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough trouble. Um, if you seek the kingdom first, everything will be added to you. you know, our, your father knows what you need. You know, look, at, look around, look at the birds. They get provided for. Look at the flowers. They get provided for. Food, clothes. God's got it all sorted. Don't worry. Trust me. So you listen to Jesus and then you look at him on the cross and you see that that promise is fulfilled in Jesus on the cross. That God made the ultimate provision for us. The ultimate provision for our sins on the cross when Jesus died for our sins. And, that's, and you can see that... Um, that, 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 that promise is fulfilled in Christ. And Romans 8, 32 tells us that if, if God um, gave up his son, 
how much more will not also along with him graciously give us all things? If God did the hard part and gave up Jesus to the cross, then the rest is easy. You get the rest for free. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and, so that, that promise is fulfilled in Jesus. Or if you feel trapped, you feel trapped by sin. Romans 6. I'm going to just, which I'm going to read, but I didn't write it down. Romans 6, verse 6. Verses 6 and 7. I should have written it down. There you go. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. We died with Christ. We're set free from sin. That's the promise to us. So if you feel trapped, trapped by sin, the promise to us is that we've died with Christ. We're no longer slaves to sin. We look at Jesus on the cross. You know, he said, it is finished. We look at Jesus, you know, he was trapped on the cross and then he died. He's not, you don't get much more trapped than being dead in a tomb. And yet the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit was able to raise him to life, to open the tomb and for Jesus to, 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 to live again. And if the Holy Spirit can do that for Jesus, then he can set you free as well. That promise is fulfilled in Jesus. His grace is sufficient for you, the Bible says. His power is made perfect in your weakness. You say, oh, well, I'm just weak. Good if you're weak. We're all weak. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Maybe you feel um, trapped by the consequences of sin. Maybe, maybe a bad decision or you know, something in the past and you feel like you're still, you're still paying for it. It says, um, the Bible says that he promises to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. It says that Jesus is a redeemer. He's our redeemer. He doesn't just free us he doesn't, you know, we haven't just been transferred from one slave master to another, but we've been set free. We've been redeemed from slavery. We've been, we've been given back our freedom. We've been brought into his family as children and as heirs, heirs in Christ. And we look at Jesus as wicked people crucified him, as wicked people crucified Jesus, doing what they thought was a good idea, but actually how God used that wickedness to open up a way for all of us to experience salvation. And we hear Jesus saying, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we can hear Jesus say that to us. That promise is fulfilled in Jesus. He speaks that to us. I forgive you. I forgive you. I remember your sins no more. That's what the Bible promises. And it says, that verse says, in him we speak, and through, through him the amen, the amen is speak, spoken by us. We speak the amen um, to, the, to, 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 to all the promises of God that are fulfilled in Christ. And I just want to encourage, let our lives be the amen. Let our lives, let his grace in our life, his love in our life be the amen that, that we speak, an amen to his promises. God promised Jesus delivered, and our lives are the, are, the, are, the, are the evidence of what he's done. We've got many, many stories, haven't we, in this church, of freedom. Many, many stories of God's goodness. Um, but we've got many, many more to come, haven't we? Many, many more to come. There are many pools out there, many people out there who don't know yet, don't know Jesus yet, and they're sitting there thinking, 
you know, praying to God for help. And God's going to speak to us and he's going to use us to go out and find them and to release them and to bring them in. Okay, conclusion. So do you realise how important hearing God is for your well-being, for your life? It's essential. We don't live by bread alone. We don't just live by, material, by the material things, but every word, every word from God's mouth. We have to hear God. It's, it's for all of us and it's essential for our life. Do you need to hear God more? Hands up, me, I do. I need to hear God more. I need more faith. I need more of his grace in my life. Um, so I need to hear him more. Do you need to understand the truth? Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you're trying to hear God. Maybe you're trying to meet with God. But it just doesn't, something's not just clicking together. And um, you need to understand that's a gift from God, as Mark said. That, that, that faith is a gift. That's a gift from God that, that, you know, to understand, to have our eyes opened, our ears open, to understand truth. And um, maybe you're feeling anxious or trapped. Maybe you're feeling haunted by the consequences of bad decisions. And um, there's, there's, Jesus has, has made a way for, for you to be free, for his grace to invade your lives.